Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're continuing on where we've been these last few Wednesday nights. Um, Psalm 133, when you get there, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word again tonight. Psalm 133, we'll read it audibly together if we could. Psalm 133, 1 uh, to 3 here. Let's stand together. Once you get there, we'll stand collectively together. Let us all read it audibly together uh, before the Lord tonight. Amen. Believe everybody's there. Amen. Psalm 133. Let's read it together. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the Jew of Hermon and as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Father, tonight we pray that you'd bless your word. We thank you for the privilege we have, Lord, to open these pages, to read your word. We think of so many, our brothers and sisters in prison and in chains tonight that do not have the privilege that we have. So we give you thanks for this great honor that we have to open and to preach your word tonight and to hear. We ask for your anointing to be upon it. Touch our hearts, we pray. Glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats together. You know, last week, if you remember, uh, we just looked at uh, our, our great privilege as a priesthood of believers to officiate in this spiritual house that we're a part of. And we looked at the two wonderful privileges that we have. First of all, we have access to the throne of grace. And we come there not in our own righteousness or our own works or our own efforts, but we come to the throne of grace because he has imputed his righteousness upon us. And so we can enter in and we can officiate there as the priesthood of believers before the throne of grace. We can find help and mercy, obtain mercy and find help in our time of need. And we know again, looking at this chapter, Psalm 133, that there is anointing. I believe when we're looking at this uh, this wonderful chapter, this picture of iron. I believe we're seeing a picture of Christ in his earthly ministry, but we're also seeing a picture of the church as Christ being the head and the body and the anointing of the Holy Ghost flowing through that body and how we need a fresh anointing upon the church of Jesus Christ as individuals, as a collective body, the anointing of the Holy Ghost in order uh, to function in the body as God has purposed us. In Acts chapter 10, you don't turn there just for the moment, but Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, as we're looking at this picture, we see that God had anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we see this wonderful picture here in Psalm 133 of Aaron, the high priest. We thank God he is our great high priest tonight and that he is the one that's anointed. He is the head. He has been given the spirit without measure. We are the part of that body of Christ. And we know that the anointing, it destroys the yoke and how we need that, that anointing of the Holy Spirit, a fresh, the fresh oil to be upon each one of us, the fresh anointing of the Spirit of the Lord. And it comes, friends, not just 
by the fact that we have a right, but it comes through an intimacy and a prayer life with the Lord. Remember, the anointing never comes upon the flesh. It always touched the beard and then the garment. And so it's so important that when we're speaking about the anointing, the holy anointing oil, that we know the flesh is to be crucified, to be dealt with at that cross. But it is the anointing that we need so desperately in this day. And that ministry, all the giftings, talents, and everything that we have requires a man or a woman to be in a place with the Lord in prayer in communion with the Lord. This is where the anointing comes. It comes from intimacy. It comes from that time, that secret place, that time with the Lord, spending time with Him in prayer that that anointing of the Spirit of God is upon our lives. You know, the Bible tells us if we if we, we understand these things, but the Bible tells us in Matthew 10, 24, if you just turn to it for a moment, because again, there is no shortcuts in many of these things. There is an anointing, and, 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 and the Holy Ghost wants to anoint us. But, you know, we look at the life of Christ, and he was one that was often in the place of prayer, communion with the Father, and the anointing was upon him. But here he says in Matthew 10, 24, the Lord speaking, he says that the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant is above his Lord. In other words, what's that... What's he saying to us there is simply this, that exactly the way the Lord himself would shut himself away in order to commune with the Father, then we have a responsibility as disciples of the Lord to spend that time just like he did in the presence of our Heavenly Father, that that fresh anointing would be upon our lives. We need the fresh oil from heaven. But in 1 Peter, if you turn over, and just tonight I want to continue on with this healing in the body, but focusing more on these spiritual sacrifices in the house of God. But in 1 Peter, if you remember, we looked at it last week, chapter 2 and verse 5. Here Peter writes these words, 1 Peter 2 and verse 5. He says, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. So here we see living stones and a, a spiritual building then is brought before us, and it's a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up our purpose in coming together as that holy priesthood, as that spiritual house, is to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so we just going to touch on these spiritual sacrifices, if I could tonight. You know, a spiritual house, only a spiritual house can offer up spiritual sacrifices. That seems pretty simple, but it's so important. It's a spiritual gathering. It's a spiritual habitation of God. It's a spiritual people. We are living stones spiritually that we've been brought together as a local assembly in a broader sense, of course, as the body of Christ, as a holy priesthood in order that we would offer up a spiritual sacrifice. So it's important then that every believer in this room has a part to play in bringing into this spiritual home, this spiritual house, a, a sacrifice as unto the Lord. Every person in this, in this place tonight that's saved, we have a responsibility to bring a spiritual sacrifice into the house of the Lord. Now in Ephesians chapter 4, if you turn over, We'll just take some time working through some verses here tonight. I believe it's important. But 
again, especially for those that perhaps uh, haven't so much entered into functioning in the body and prayer or whatever other means or talents or gifts that God has given you. Just really, again, trying to emphasize, to encourage everyone to be a partaker of this wonderful privilege that we have as a spiritual house. But Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul writes these words, Ephesians 4 and verse 7, But on to every one of us. So Paul here is speaking to you, and he's speaking to me. It's so important that you, you read this slowly. To every one of us in this room that is saved, he says, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, I'm going to read a different translation in order to help us just understand what Paul is saying. Yet grace, God's undeserved favor, was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant grace. That every person in this room that is saved by the grace of God, that Christ himself has given you a measure in order that he wants you to function through the grace of God that he's given you. So every person here, I want you to hear it so clearly tonight, but every person that's saved, Jesus himself has given you grace and a portion by which he wants you to function with. He wants you to operate with what he's given you. In verse 8 it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave, and these are the ascension gifts, he gave gifts unto men. That is, Jesus himself, the ascension gifts, he gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, but what is, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth, and he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Then it says these words, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's known as the fivefold ministry. So these are known as the ascension gifts that he gives into the body of Christ. But he gives them for a purpose. Now verse 12 is the purpose. If you look at it, here's the purpose of the ascension gifts. It is for the perfecting, or that word in the Greek simply means for the equipping or the furnishing of the saints. So here these gifts are placed in the body by Jesus himself, the ascension gifts, and these are for the furnishing or the equipping of the saints and for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, what's the goal of these gifts? Verse 13 tells us, here's the, the very goal of what this is all about. Till we all, who does that include? That includes everyone and incorporates the entire body. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Now, what did we just read in Psalm 133? Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? In unity. So the purpose of the ascension gifts put into the body is 
First of all, for the perfecting or the furnishing of the body of Christ, the equipping of the saints, and then the desire of Paul, the Holy Ghost working through him, is that we would all come to the unity of the faith. And also then, what does it say? And of the knowledge of the Son of Man, or the Son of God. So what's important here is this, that when we're speaking of these gifts, these these, these ascension gifts that are placed in the body, that, that there's a purpose for them in the perfecting of the saints and the unity of the faith. But primarily it is that we would come to have a knowledge of the Son of God, that I might know Him. That's the purpose, that we would come into a knowledge of Him. And then it says, and unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of, of Christ. What that simply means is that we come to a place as a body of maturity in the faith, of unity in the faith, of a purpose in the faith. And then when we come to that place, there's a manifestation. It talks about the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But then there's a manifestation of the spiritual completeness of Christ in the body and the gifts functioning through every member. That's the purpose of all of this. The word fullness, this word fullness is used by Paul quite a lot in the New Testament. And it simply means if you have a container, that it is the purpose of Christ to fill that container up with himself, that all that is seen is Jesus and him alone. So when he, when we read there, if you go back for a moment to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22, again we read of Christ ascended, and everything is under his feet. It tells us there, Ephesians 1.22, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. This is a container, and he says, and the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the church should contain the fullness of the measure of the Lord Jesus Christ in unity and in purpose and in love, that what should be seen of the body of Christ is Christ and Christ alone. And all the function of all the talents, all the gifts, all the ministries, everything that is placed in the body, the primary purpose of all of that is that what is seen in it is the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Look over in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19. It says these words, Ephesians 3 and 19, again, this word fullness is used of Paul. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. That the very purpose of the gathering of God's people, wherever it may be, not the building as you know, but wherever it may be, when they come together, it is the desire of the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost that that spiritual house would be filled to capacity and overflowing with the presence and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That no one else would be seen save Jesus and him alone. That's his purpose for the gathering of the body. That's what he wants to do. So we see here back in verse 14 in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Then Paul says, listen, 
He's speaking very frankly and, and openly, but he's saying this is the purpose of God. This is the plan of the gathering of the people of God. And he says, now we, we don't want to be like children that were tossed about here and there, carried about with all the different winds of doctrine. And friends, there are so many winds of doctrine in these days that distract us away from the simplicity of Christ and his cross and the blood and the resurrection and the ascension and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you hang on to those few things, friends, that'll take you all the way to heaven. But today there's every type of wind and doctrine and idea and method and scheme and plan. But just get back to the simplicity of him. Don't be tossed about by the slight of men, by the cunning craftiness that lie in wait to deceive you. That's what they're trying to do. These are false teachers, false Christ. The Lord has told us that's what will mark the last days. And friends, they're out in abundance today. But here's what he says, verse 15. But speak the truth in love, that we may grow up into him in all things which is the head. We're growing up into him which is the head, even Christ. Then he says these words, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every every joint, every joint, supplies would you say the word every that simply means every person that's in this room tonight that is saved there is a purpose in you being formed and connected to a body a local assembly you have a purpose to come not just to sit in seats not just to keep a pew warm but actually to function in that body to cause it to mature, to cause it to grow, to cause it to be filled with the fullness of Christ, that Christ would be seen, that every joint is vital according to the effectual working and the measure of every part and maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so in these in these, this portion of Scripture, Paul speaks there of the ascension gifts and the purpose of them and the goal of what they're all about. But there's so much more. And what I want you to think tonight when we're going through this is, are all these ministries, are all these gifts, are all these wonderful diversities that are placed in the body by the Holy Spirit? When we're looking at Psalm 133 with that man standing and the head being Christ and the anointing flowing through that whole body for all those diversities and ministries and helps and everything else and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are these functioning in the body the way we read of them in the Scripture? And if they're not, then we want, we desire those things to be that way. That's what we desire we want this body to be filled with the fullness of Christ and all the function and every ministry and every calling and every gift and functioning to the unity of the body of Christ, to the glory of Jesus. Friends, this is what our desire is. This is what the Scripture teaches us. So we're looking at this tonight then to apply it into our lives and allow the Spirit of God to work and to stir up those gifts. If you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read here then of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We looked at the ascension gifts. 
But now we're reading of the gifts of the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says these words, verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but there's the same Spirit or the same anointing. And there are differences of administrations, but it is the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, to every man to profit with all. For to one is given the Spirit, by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. I just want to ask you a simple question. Do we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit functioning in the body today? Do we need these gifts? We've just read some wonderful gifts that, that the Holy Spirit has put into the body of Christ. And do we need these gifts functioning? It's not just enough to say, I have the gift. We actually want the gift to function. And so we see the need, not just here in our local assembly, but across the body of Christ. Do we need to see? Do we need to see in these days the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge? Do we need to see faith, the gift of faith being functioned? Do we need to see the gifts of healing? Do we need to see, again, the working of miracles? Do we need to see prophecy? Do we need the discerning of spirits? What a gift that is. What an essential gift this is in the body of Christ, a discerning of spirits. Do we need, again, to see the diverse kinds of tongues or the interpretation of tongues? Here's these gifts that the Holy Spirit has given into the body of Christ. Remember what we read there just at the beginning of this. It says it's for everyone or every man to profit with all. Not everyone has the same gift, but all the gifts and administrations should be functioning in the body of Christ to bring it to a place of unity and the love of God that it would grow and it would mature, that it would stand in these days with furnished with all the gifts and operations of the Spirit of God. Verse 11 says these words, but all these worketh that one and selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So the, the distribution of the gifts is not given by man. The distribution of the gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. So it's not a man thing. It's not me saying, oh, Richard, I want to give you the gift. of That's nonsense, friends. And you hear that in churches, I'm going to give you this gift. I'm going. That's not... It's the Holy Spirit that, that will severally and distribute the gifts. And again, friends, it's not on the basis of intellect or status or rich or poor or any of those things. We've been all baptized into the body of Christ when we were born of the Spirit of God. We're all washed in the blood of Jesus. We all have the same robe and we all have the same Spirit. And so we're to function with this knowledge 
but it's to edify all and it's to glorify our living head that is Jesus Christ. And it causes the body to mature and to stand strong and how we need these gifts. But here we read, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Again, I just see a picture of Psalm 133. There he stands. Christ is the head, the body with that robe upon it, that robe of righteousness, that anointing that's flowing from our living head. That's Christ. That's the Holy Spirit flowing down that, that's the skirts, throwing down the, that, that garment and the function of all of that. Being many, we are one. For by one spirit are we baptized in the one body, all baptized in the one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and we have been all made the drink. Every person that's saved have been made the drink in the one spirit. So you see the essential desire and need that we have, that we are all together, every one of us, are so important into that body. You're drinking from the same fountain that I'm drinking. That fountain will never run dry. But you're drinking from that same fountain. If you go down just to the end of the chapter, uh, chapter 12 there, verse 27, Paul then says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and your members in particular. And God has set some in the church, apostles, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, this is what he has said in the body. Miracles, the gift of healings. God has set this in the body. Helps, governments, and diversity of tongues. This is what God has put in the body of Christ. How we need, as it were, a reviving of these precious truths in the body of Christ. Yes, everything to be done decently in order. Yes, we know it's to be done right in, in the sight of God and according to Scripture. But how we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit and every member taking their responsibility in the body of Christ. He says then there in verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts. We're actually instructed that we should earnestly covet the gifts of the Spirit of God. This is something that we should desire. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And then you've often heard chapter 13 read. Actually, even sometimes I've heard it read in, a, in opposition to chapter 12. But it's so far from the truth. What Paul is saying here is you have the gifts, but here is a more perfect way when all of those gifts function with the love of God in our hearts and a genuine unity amongst the brethren. This is one of the most precious things. But if you have the gift and you don't have a love for your brother, then you're just like a clanging symbol. It doesn't mean anything. And so here we're reading about a unity in the brethren, a blessing of the Lord. It's life forevermore and the gifts functioning and the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. And Paul said, this is a more excellent way. This is the way it should all function in the love of God in our hearts. So here we see in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, if you turn over, this is what it says towards the end of the chapter. And this is an important part because I know this is, can come up sometimes as uh, why people would perhaps say that the gifts aren't for today. But I tell you, do we need faith today? Would you say amen if you need faith? We need the gift of healings today. 
Praise the Lord. We need prophecy. We need to dis- Anyone need to know to discern the spirits in the age in which we're living? We need these gifts. They were given to the body. But these few verses here are often used against the function or the necessity of these gifts. In verse 8 it says, Love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they'll fail or they'll end. Whether there be tongues, they will cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But then he says, for we know in part. In other words, we have a limitation and we prophesy. We do prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Who are we speaking of? We're speaking of a person. We're speaking of Jesus. Not which is perfect. Then knowledge will be done away. There's no need for the gifts. There's no need for the operation of faith or, or, or there's no need for the operation of the gifts of healing or miracles or knowledge of the discerning of spirits because when Jesus comes, then face to face we'll see him. We'll know all in that day, friends. We are looking through a glass darkly, but then, praise the Lord, face to face with Christ our Savior. goes on to say there, for now we see through that glass, but then face to face. Now I know in part, I'm prophesying in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. When we see him, when that which is perfect has come, then all of these are no longer necessary in the body because we will be with the Lord forever and forever. Praise the Lord. So we see the gifts and the ascension. We see the ministries also operating here, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in the house of God. And you're just going to go with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 12, because we're looking at this verse that we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And I just believe the Lord just showed me this because on all that function, I believe when we function and those gifts are functioning and every member, whether you're a helper in some particular area of the body, you're functioning, whatever that may be. And there's such a broad aspect of that in the gifts and the ministries and all the callings of God in that. But I believe when the church all function in that, it's like a spiritual sacrifice unto the Lord. The house is filled with a sacrifice as we function in what the Lord has called us to be as believers. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. This what Paul is saying is not unreasonable for the Lord to ask us to give our bodies for the service of this king. That's not unreasonable. Is it unreasonable when he gave his life for us on the cross that, that he would say, now give me your body. You know, that's why it's a wonderful thing. I touched on it on Sunday morning, but it's a wonderful thing with those three young people saying, I'm going to stand for Jesus. Those young lives, and may God give them the years ahead, but those lives, those bodies given for a whole lifetime to serve the king. That's a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing. That's a precious thing. When young people are saying, I'm going to give my body as a living sacrifice. I'm going to serve Jesus. That's an amazing thing, friends. That gives us hope for our generation that's around us. But here he says, be not conformed to this world. I know this is maybe old-fashioned, but it's right up to date. Right up to date, friends. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be 
conformed by its standards, by its goals, by its ambitions, by its visions, by its hopes. Don't be conformed to this world. And friends, that's that old world that's still the same, still rotten. But be transformed, the apostle says, by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace that is given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Now, see that one phrase there, that's a crucial phrase in the function of the gifts, the talents, the callings, and the ministries of God. Once once, you know, the Bible says that a gift makes way for itself. But once there's any agenda in order to pursue or to push a gift, immediately the anointing will lift off a body. Immediately. Immediately it lifts. There is no anointing. But that gift makes way for itself and fitly joined into that body and every joint supplying. And here we see it comes as we humble ourselves even to one another allowing for the full ministry, the full ministry, not just for a select, but the full ministry within that body. And so according as God has dealt to every man, every man, the measure of faith. Every believer in this room has been given a measure of faith. What do you do with that? How do you function with that? How do you operate with that? For as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members of another. Now what do we begin with? We began here in this opening chapter with with presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Every one of us has been given a measure of faith. When you operate and function with the measure of faith that God has given you, wholly given that body unto him. I tell you, friends, it's one of the most precious things when that whole body begins to function in that way and they begin to operate on the measure of the faith that God has given us. Then we see something very precious happen in the body. You know what happens? The fullness of Christ will fill that local assembly. He will come in all his glory and power and he'll flood that local assembly. He'll fill that whole house up, that spiritual house, as that body begins to function and a spiritual sacrifice will rise out of this house or any local assembly that meets in this way. There'll be a sacrifice that will ascend into the nostrils of the Almighty and God will be well pleased to fill this place with his glory. And that's what we desire. Having then, verse 6, gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Here's the sacrifice as we function in this. Whether prophesy, prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. A ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth. What a ministry this is to exhort the church, to exhort the believers. Let him exhort, he that giveth. Let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. 
Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. No friends, in that world, you know, it's such a tragedy we're watching and we're seeing in the world that we're living in. Have you ever seen so much hate? Have you ever witnessed so much hate in all your life? Have you ever seen it, the hate that there is in every aspect of society? There's hate being poured out against humanity, one man against another. But in the church of Jesus Christ, this is what it says, be kindly affectionate to one another. This is how they're going to know we're the followers of Jesus Christ. In honor, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. Brothers and sisters, these words and they're largely scriptures that I've quoted and read to you tonight. But what we desire to see is the whole function of that body. And the measure of grace, the measure of faith that every single one of you have been given. When you've been given something, it's what you do with it. It's important. I want to encourage you that what what I believe the heart of God for this fellowship simply is, is that every part would function. It may, you may say, well, I'm not really sure what particular role. Or it's not about putting your name down necessarily on a sheet to do this or that or the other. But it is simply with the measure that you've been given to step out in faith. And I know sometimes it is a step of faith. If you've never maybe operated or functioned or make a stand for the Lord or in any way maybe it's in prayer or whatever it is but I just want to encourage every single person young and old and you know so much more if you don't mind encouraging our young ones right down to the wee ones I want to encourage you you're saved you're part of the body you're uh, you're as right standing before the Lord as any other person in this room and I just want to encourage you, you know, operate in what God has given you. You know, you need to develop that. But I can tell you something, we're a family. We're not waiting to see, oh, they might make a mistake in their words. It doesn't really matter if you don't get all the words together, even if it's in prayer, whatever it may be. What it is, is then that function in that heart that you make that step before the Lord. And as you make that step and you open your mouth, I can tell you, God will fill it. And see your words, you know, they might just come out of you. But I want to tell you something. I was talking to Brent on, on Sunday night and after young Saskia giving her wee testimony. I know then she filled up with tears just at what the Lord has done in her life. But many years ago, Stephen, you were there too. The two were standing beside Brent. And I think it was the first time that he ever stood in an open air up, up at the old building there and we're standing outside and the mic was going and Brent went up to the mic and he stood for a moment and he simply said over the mic, oh no. <laughs> he went stone cold with nerves and fear and everything else. Now, listen, Brent would preach all day and all night and thank God he's filled with the word of God. But you have to take those steps and rely on the Lord and the Lord will bring you on in the faith. Not one of us here all of us are learning. All of us are being perfected by the Holy Ghost. God is bringing us all on. Nobody's arrived. Let me tell you, none of us arrived. But I want to encourage you, friends, if, 
If we're sitting waiting to get it all in the order the way we want it and then we're going to go out the door and complain that he started the wrong song and you got it in the wrong key and, and we, so what? We are, we are people that are not perfect. There's an imperfection, but God takes the foolish and the weak things and he forms it all together and every part of that body begins to function and begin to praise him and begin to stand, stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, break the shackles. Now, there's a resistance so often. There's a fear that comes and that's not from the Lord. Now, the fear of man, it's not someone in here that's, I hope, not causing you to fear but there's a fear there's a natural sense of all of that i want to encourage you break through that fear and faith i believe god because you've a right you're essential part of the body to stand up and thank the lord for saving you to go from one side of the room to the other put your hand on a sister or a brother and begin to pray for them don't be afraid to do that in this church move about the place don't be afraid oh, can you move of course you can move in the house of god Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Be kind to one another. Lift one another up. The world's pulling everybody down. The devil's trampling over everyone. Friends, but in the house of God, let us encourage one another. Be careful with what we say. Be careful how we act. Friends, in everything. And if we do act wrong, and if maybe something has been said, make sure, friends, that you're not easily taking offense. Live and move on and the, the love of God will cover a multitude of faults. And if you're looking for faults, I'm going to tell you, you'll find millions of them. Millions of them. There's loads of faults. But if there's a heart and there's a grace and there's a faith and we're saying we're going to function and we're going to grow. You know, he's saying, I want you to grow up. He wants us to grow up into the fullness of Christ. And Christ saying, here's a people. And the world might say, well, they haven't got it all sorted out. And maybe even some in the church might say, well, they're not the greatest. Look at the way they do things. It's not really important. But if there's a heart that's saying, we're after God. And we're going to make a stand. And we're going to move and function. I'll tell you what the Lord will do. Never mind what anyone else says. He'll fill it with the fullness of himself. And his presence makes a feast. I want to encourage you to function. I want to encourage you to pray. I want to encourage you to thank. You know what it begins with sometimes? It's not so much that someday I'm going to go off to India and be a missionary. But you know what it just begins with sometimes? That where you're sitting in your seat, you know I'm going to stand on my feet and thank God for saving me. It might just be that I'm going to go over. I've seen someone over there. They're a bit quiet or they're on their own. Or a stranger comes in or a visitor comes in. That I'm going to go over and show that I'm hospitable. Then I'm going to talk to them. Then I'm going to ask them how they're doing. Friends, we are believers. We're Christians. You might say, well, that's no big thing. I want to tell you something. These are the big things. These really are the big things. I want to encourage every one of us with the measure. Because you've been given a measure. That's what the Bible says. I don't want to hear anyone saying, sure, I have nothing. That's wrong because the Bible says you've been given a measure. I don't want anyone to say, sure, I'm a nobody. I want to tell you something. You're actually a somebody because he loved you so much, he died on the cross. I'm going to tell you something. You're precious in his sight. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not worthy. I'm going to tell you, let me tell you something. There's not a person in this room's worthy. But he's made me worthy because of the righteousness of Christ that's imputed upon me. And that same righteousness, listen, is the same righteousness that he's put on every believer in this room. That's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. And he says, I want you to operate as a priest in my house. 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices and I'll fill this house with my fullness. I tell you, I believe, friends, that's what the world needs to see. All done. Unity of the brethren, the love of God in our hearts and the function of that body. May God encourage us all to operate, to function. Let's stand together tonight. We'll have a time of prayer. Thank the Lord. Encourage you tonight just to thank him and to praise him, to believe God together tonight. And stir. Sometimes you need to stir. We're to be fervent in spirit, the Bible says. And so sometimes you need to stir the gift that is within you. You need to stir it yourself. And I'm not talking about trying to put someone's arm up their back. I'm talking about just opening up those wells and allowing God to begin to move in us and begin to thank God. And I'll surprise you, friends, if you begin to thank him. Maybe you have never done it before. Maybe you're, you feel intimidated about it. But see, when you operate in faith and do that, see if you pray, I'm going to tell you something. That could just be the breakthrough. Many revivals have you read and some unknown poor poor individual that nobody really looks upon and they've just called out from the depths of their heart a prayer and that's caused a revival to break out in that congregation. Maybe that's you. I don't know, but I want to encourage you tonight. Let's pray and seek the Lord together. Let us function as that body in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Lord.